time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hey everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we wake up in the Saturday morning sun, plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. So you were, you, were, <laughs> you said the one part like really fast. So I just, you know, I wanted to keep the momentum going, man. <laughs> I'm trying to say it faster and faster every time I do it. So eventually it's just going to be a single word. Right. It's just going to be like. I said it. They literally have to slow it down yeah. to hear what I'm saying. And and you'll hear it. It'll be he'll be like Saturday morning. <laughs> That's gonna be amazing. Yeah, it's talent right there. But this morning we watched Mask Mobile Armored Strike Command, and this was suggested via email by Daniel Karhunen from Sweden. Apologies to him because he sent this in May, and <laughs> for whatever reason, our emails from the website where he filled out the form. We're going straight to our spam account, so we didn't yeah. even see this till like a few weeks ago. But because of that, after our anime stuff, we bumped him up to the top of the list. So thank you so much, Daniel. And Daniel writes comics. He's got a comic book called Snow Manilas, which he sent to me and Joseph, and it was really cool. And Joseph read it really quick. Maybe you should talk about it real quick. Just kind of like give us a little brief rundown of what it's like. Man, okay, so the reason I went through it so fast is because it was it was a really easy read. It is kid-friendly, but it's not like it's not still fun. The Snow Manilas are literally like a team of four snowmen of different varieties in a very kind of Ninja Turtle-esque way. The best part, my favorite, favorite part of this was the villains. The villains were just so interesting, or the enemies they fought, I guess. Where yeah. and even in the first issue, it was snow gorillas riding rhinoceros. <laughs> Already, I was like, oh, I got to see where this goes. And then you've got dragons in there. And also, the last issue was one of my favorites because immediately when I saw it, I, I was so fascinated by these shark ninjas and they had starfish shurikens. And I was like, oh, yeah, this that is was genius. cool. This is genius. Oh, man. Yeah, I liked it. Like you said, it's not necessarily like made for kids. It's just kind of geared towards that younger audience that they could read it, but that mm. older audiences could get some enjoyment out of it too, because he wrote it out of love for the 80s cartoons, like the 80s and 90s cartoons, like Mask and Ninja Turtles and Transformers and things like that. He, he put that kind of vibe to it. Right. And it definitely felt that way too. You can find it on Comixology. You can find it on Amazon. And you can also go to, if you go to Facebook dot com slash snow manilas s n o w m a n i l a s yeah so go there like his page give him some support throw some shekels his way check the comic out it's really cool so definitely worth your time so definitely thank you daniel and now we will talk about mask it's an acronym and command has a k yeah why is it spelled with a k isn't command spelled with a c well not if you want to spell mask out with your acronym it's not oh Okay. I feel like they kind of shoehorned that one in. Okay. Well, how about who they're facing up against? Venom. Venom's acronym. <laughs> yeah. Say, say the acronym because this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Vicious Evil Network of Mayhem. <laughs> that If that's not a dead giveaway, these are bad guys. I don't know what it right. is. Like, why would you start up like an organization with evil in it 
in the first, like, you're not going to get any government funding that way. Or like, you know, you're definitely not going to be on the like better business bureau yeah, list or anything like that. Even even the acronym sounds evil, like venom, like it, right. it could just be like Apple or something. Come on. Yeah. You, do you think Hidden like agendas, you think organizations like venom or like Cobra have like human resource departments? Do I think they have human resource departments? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's so if uh, they have a grievance. They have no one. If there's to take a grievance, to. they just kill each other. Oh, I really think that's yeah. how it works. It's like the Sith. Okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, so it saves more money efficient. on H and R. Exactly. Yeah, more efficient that way. Like when they have to make cuts, they literally mean literally make cuts. We got to make some cuts to the staff. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. To get back on track a little bit, the show Mask aired from 85 to 86, produced by Deke Entertainment and Kenner Toys. So maybe a combination of some of the masterminds behind Kenner Toys and Deke Entertainment. Maybe we can just call him Ken Deekman or something. It's pronounced Deke. I've been calling it Deke for decades. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just always, I mean, I just assumed it was Deke. They even say it like <laughs> when they show it on the screen, they're like, Deke. Uh. I have a really short attention span. I guess so. so. This ran for two seasons, 75 episodes. It was first run syndication, so it aired on multiple networks from the get-go. For short synopsis, Matt Tracker leads a team of masked crime fighters with a fleet of hidden function vehicles against the forces of Venom. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that sums it up pretty well, I think. Hidden function vehicles. Yeah, that's a weird kind of way to put it, I guess. Hidden function. Yeah. I guess. No, I guess technically they are because they're like regular vehicles. This is almost like a, a cross between Transformers and G.I. Joe. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, honestly. Because, like, yeah, the guys are kind of like G.I. Joes, and especially because they do the, like, we need one guy from, like, every nationality. And and then they get all these vehicles that turn into other vehicles, like the car that can turn into a boat and stuff like that, or the car that can fly. Right, right, right. Things like that. So, you know, your basic vehicles that, you know, are in 80s cartoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except they're not changing into robots. They're just changing into other vehicles. Those vehicles are their, their hidden functions. Right. So, Chris, who are some of the actors that played in this show? Sure. So we have Doug Stone, uh, mostly known for playing Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear Solid. Oh, nice. But he, but he voiced Matt Tracker, Hondo, Dusty, Bruce, and Boris. So he did all the voices. He did most of the voices, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Brendan McCain voiced Alex, Jacques, and Chief Nevada. Brendan Thicke voiced Scott Tracker. (laughs) (laughs) Graham McKenna voiced T-Bob, Brad, Julio, and Calhoun. Mark Holleran voiced Buddy and Ace. Sharon Noble voiced The Mass Computer and Gloria and Vanessa. And Brian George voiced Ali. Yay. Most of them, like uh, most of these actors and actresses don't have a whole lot on their resumes. Mm -hmm. Doug Stone was pretty much the only one that had a lot going on. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just used to you finishing that later because you used to have to try to try to pronounce all of the names. I know. Like this one was very (laughs) Anglo-Saxon. So it was really easy. (laughs) So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of mask cereal, no origin episode was ever aired, but a mini comic was released where the team was co-created by Matt Tracker along with his teenage brother Andy and Miles Mayhem. Mayhem double crosses Matt and causes the death of Andy when he steals some of the mask for his newly established Venom team. 
So mm. this is your basic stab in the back, not revenge, but avenge story. So yeah, I would be interested to read the origin actually, just because I, I feel like it would give me a little bit better idea of like why they're doing on. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, like, it makes it more interesting that the guy that founded Venom was originally a partner of the guy that heads up Mask. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, it's just like, here's the good guys, here's the bad guys, you know, here's your toys for them, go fight in the sandbox. Yeah. And, but I mean, this this makes it a little bit more interesting. Right. So there's there's a little more gravity to it. it. It gives it some more depth versus just like good guy versus yeah. bad guy, black versus white. That's right, it. exactly. So then I wonder, did did he kill the guy's brother on purpose? Or was it an accident and that accident made him go, well, I might as well just be evil now. I mean, that could have been it. It could have been just a, a casualty of war between him and Matt Tracker. Who knows? There's always got to be one Ben Parker. Also, Mask was named the 99th best animated series by IGN. They called it one of the most popular cartoon slash toy marketing franchises of the 80s. And, really? Yeah. And that it took many of the strengths of G.I. Joe and Transformers while taking few of the flaws. See, that that confuses me because I like I, I like those other two properties more. I love Transformers. Yeah. but if Everybody we, knows I love Transformers. But if we rewatch the old shows, I wonder if they'd hold up as well. Probably not. I don't know. I, I rewatched Transformers a couple of years ago and some episodes were interesting and some were pretty boring, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I never watched G.I. Joe that much. I just had a lot of the, the figures. Oh, I, every kid of the 80s did. I had so many of them that I didn't even know their friggin' names, man. I just played with them. <laughs> you needed Cobra Commander. You needed Snake Eyes. Really, all the mass dudes were the coolest. I remember having a guy named like Road Pig or something who had a flat top and I had Duke. Mm. Oh, of course. You have to have Duke. Oh, and Sergeant Slaughter. Everyone's got Sergeant Slaughter, man. Sergeant Slaughter is awesome. Sergeant Slaughter. The only Sergeant Slaughter I had was from WWF at the time. Oh, man. I had a figure of him from that and from G.I. Joe. Oh, double Sergeant Slaughter. Awesome. Yeah, he was great. So speaking of these toys, actually, a new figure based on the mask leader, Matt Tracker, was released as part of the G.I. Joe toy line in 2008. So Mm -hmm. they essentially Mm -hmm. intertwine those worlds to where mask is connected to the G.I. Joes and Venom is a research and development department of Cobra Command. Oh, that's cool. That makes sense because, well, I'm I'm assuming this is probably going to be another marshmallow of yours. But, you know, the movie stuff. No, that's, that, yeah, that's where I was going to go next. Actually, okay, yeah, yeah. Where uh, Matt Tracker is going to be appearing in the third G.I. Joe film. Yeah. I haven't seen the first two. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> you could skip the first G.I. Joe because the second one really has nothing much to do with it because they got rid of, like, everyone oh. and started over pretty much. But the third one's going to have Matt Tracker. But, yeah, so, they're, yeah, they're going to do a whole combined universe with G.I. Joe, Mask, uh, Micronauts, there was some other property I don't remember, and then Rom, the Space Knight. Mm, nice. So, yeah, they're going to do this whole big, like, Hasbro toy kind of universe thing, which I don't know if they're going to include Transformers in that or not, but I kind of hope not, because I kind of hope that Transformers, like, movie franchise just dies and they do something else. Yeah, that needs a reboot. With oh, a different man. director at the helm, and yes, he oh, Michael Bay needs to have nothing to do with <laughs> a, with anything in any level ever again. Do you have any memories of Mask at all? Not the cartoon. I had one toy of Matt Tracker, and I didn't even realize that that's who it was until 
we got this request and I saw the show and I was like, oh, I had this as a toy <laughs> and I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know that's what it was. It was just, you know, like I, I would go to my grandma's house as a kid. Right. And she had some next door neighbors that had a bunch of teenage boys. So she went to a yard, so they all bought a whole bunch of toys for me as a kid. And it was all G.I. Joe's, Hot Wheels, Transformers, GoBots, Micronauts. And then I had this one action figure of Matt Tracker. And that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mask is a cartoon. Like I knew about it. I knew it existed, but I had absolutely no interest in watching it because I, I was never and still am not a car person. Like I don't care that much yeah, about cars. Same here. Yeah. Vehicles don't interest me that much, but I don't even have a vehicle, man. I walk everywhere. So <laughs> like I, I definitely am not that interested in vehicles, but uh, I'm just not a car person at all. So the cartoon didn't I didn't care for not that I watched it at all, but I just didn't care for the premise of it. I didn't even know about the actual mask aspect of it. I thought it was just called mask with a bunch of cars. So I was misled by right. the title. Yeah. Uh, with everything else that was showing in the 80s, this just took very little precedence to me. So I ignored it. I don't think I ever even saw it on television. I can't remember ever having seen it. Yeah, I don't in think I capacity. ever intentionally skipped it or anything. It's just like I never sought it out either. And I don't think I ever saw the toys either, like in store. I mean, I had the one through a, a garage sale from my grandmother, but I mean, I never saw these things. And, you know, you go to like, um, I don't know, at least where I grew up, you'd go to like Toys R Us or KB Toys or something like that. And like, mm -hmm. I never saw any of these things. It was all just G.I. Joe, Transformers, Voltron, the toys of that era. But I never saw this one. So yeah, I guess it might have been just because we were literally born the year this came out. So that's a very good point. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, I'm sure at some point the toy lines just started dying off before we were yeah. old enough to really associate. Yeah, I'm guessing this legacy didn't last as long as those other shows. Right. Because Transformers, so. yeah, we grew up with G.I. Joe also. And those obviously those toys just hit it much bigger. Right. And like He-Man and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like He-Man. Those, those all got so much success that I guess this one fell by the wayside. Even if we had seen the toys, it probably would have just been like, no, I want, I want He-Man or Dino Riders. <laughs> Dino Riders. <laughs> Dino Riders is great. But uh, I guess let's jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally a random listener chosen episode. The order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course we have to start with the very first episode being the Death Stone. Season one, episode one, where Venom steals a strange meteorite with healing powers using Switchblade disguised as a UFO. Okay, sure. Uh, let me let me just say right off the bat, I don't remember anyone's name except for Matt Tracker. Yeah, Bruce, because he was the guy who kept doing those like Confucian. He was quotes. The, the Asian guy that they made speak in parables for some reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of racist, right? I mean, it, it was a little racist, but it was like a it was like a friendly <laughs> racist because yeah, he friendly was, racism. He was that's... also the smartest of them, so it was like positive stereotyping. Oh, okay. So what if, what if Bruce, <laughs> what if he actually isn't wise? Like, what if he like even has some sort of disorder and like, he's just like saying stuff to say stuff. Like it's, she's just saying whatever is on his mind at the time <laughs> and everyone's taking all this really deep meaning out of it, but he's just actually talking nonsense. Well, the only one who understands him is Matt Tracker. Right, like like Matt's like applying it to his situation. Yeah, yeah. But what if Bruce is just like literally just thinks of something and he's like, Oh, what if the, <laughs> the wind 
can do what the hammer cannot and like you know he's just like Matt's tripping like, on exactly exactly bruce gross. is like tripping on something like yes this will help destroy venom because everybody else is just like uh oh, stop doing that like just speak what? clearly yeah uh what is he talking about and matt's like i completely <laughs> understand what he means but uh so in this one they find this meteorite in a, in a weird way. It starts strangely with the the like um, that doctor and her crew like trying to oh yeah get a meteorite get this meteorite that fell because of supposed healing properties that it has. At the same time, Venom comes out for whatever reason. They they don't just come out and take it. They disguise themselves as a UFO, as an alien ship, <laughs> oh, the regular yeah. flying saucer. <laughs> And then <laughs> I pick don't up know the meteorite. Why. I don't. It's it's like they, they knew who it was. I mean, because the guy came out afterwards and was like, "Gotcha!" I know. And idiots. took his costume off too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the worst ploy ever. They they didn't yeah. fool anyone. They might have for no. a second, but then they blew it immediately. Yeah, they just they didn't care. They're just <laughs> maybe they're just doing it to do it. They're like, you know what? We <laughs> haven't done yet. We haven't stolen anything like with a UFO yet. Let's try that one. And yeah. You know what would be see fun? How it goes. We've got a UFO. Let's use it. Yeah, let's use the UFO. Well, <laughs> yeah, the guy talked like that too. He sounded like a moron. Right. <laughs> oh my God. You know, my favorite part of this, I don't want to say my favorite part, but it's <laughs> funny. I don't know if I have a favorite part, okay. but it's funny when Matt Tracker um, rescues the doctor, she's like, oh, I need it for my new life saving technique. Uh, who knows what that is? Yeah. But then Matt's like, okay, we, we'll call in Mask. And he, you know, tells the Mask computer and the Mask computer, which has the worst voice ever, summons the right agents for the job. And it shows where each of the agents are. Oh. And they're all doing something and just drop it and fucking run. <laughs> like, the best is this guy on stage fronting a band like rocking out on guitar and he looks at his watch which she's giving him the alert and he just drops it just freaking runs off stage in the <laughs> middle of the song and the same guy does it again in another episode i was like how is he still in the band like how has he not gotten kicked out there's also like, that that teacher who runs the away teacher from is his just class. like walks out of his class he does that a couple times too yeah what what's unusual actually what i appreciated about that was that those could have been scenes that they recycled every single time they called out the same agent but they, they did didn't. it a little different they had yeah. slightly different ones it showed you what the agent's real job was and yeah that was their transition scene it was essentially in the shows that we've been watching the transformation scene right but this one had uniqueness to it instead of reusing the same clips over and over again. So I actually like that about it. This made me laugh so hard. Like the one with the guy on the, like playing in the band, just grabbing his <laughs> guitar and freaking running. Like <laughs> I like the right, one where right in the middle of a concert where the guy was the exotic pet store owner and he was oh, sweeping puts, up the orangutan's cage. Oh, and, and he hands he, the, broom, he hand to the, the broom to it. So it starts sweeping up. He also like uh, in one of the other scenes he gets called on, he puts like the snake around the customer's head and just runs. Oh, yeah. It's like a boa constrictor. And yeah. He's like, if Here. someone just put a snake around me and ran away, I'd be so mad. 
<laughs> but like I'm suing you. Like every yeah, one guy's like a, a pizza delivery guy or a pizza chef, oh, yeah. and he just, just drops drops the it dough on, the, on the ground. And you know his boss is gonna come scoop it back up and still use it because they're on a budget. You know, no, so. of course, <laughs> there's gonna be roaches smashed so, in it. So mask, while they might be great elite government employees, or not even government, they're they're privately owned by billionaire philanthropist Matt yeah. Tracker, but. While they're his employees and they're great at what they do there, they're awful real life employees. Yeah, like man, they're gonna get, they're all gonna get let go for job abandonment. Cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know Venom doesn't have HR, but those places got HR and they're gonna get in some trouble for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's irresponsible. Yeah, so <laughs> we we went on a big tangent with that part. <laughs> yeah, but we did. It was definitely something I wanted to talk about anyway. So I'm glad you brought it up. The kid in this, Scott. Uh, Scott's terrible. He's the, like this is a terrible character. Let me tell you, he's not the worst <laughs> character though. His his robot T Bob is the worst. T Bob's character. the worst character. T Bob yeah. stands for Thingamabob. Like it's not clever. Oh, good lord! Really? Yeah, yes. that's what it stands yes. for. Yes. This is like <laughs> this is like imagine Seven Zark Seven from Battle that's of the Planets. That's exactly what I thought of with yeah. Seven Zark Seven. And I, I hate to keep bringing Battle of the Planets up, but it's been so relevant to a lot of these shows that we watch. Yeah. And this one in particular, that's what I thought of right away because he is, this robot is so annoying and he just tries to make jokes about everything that's going on with these terrible terrible puns. puns. I think I could have really appreciated this show more overall had he not been in it. Really, if that (laughs) kid wasn't there, what was that kid there for? He, all he did was get in the way, get in trouble. Yeah. He's Matt's son, and he, all he does is screw things up. Like, one of my favorite parts is when um he overhears that there's something going down with Venom, and he's talking to T-Bob, and he's like, boy, they're going to need our help if they're going up against Venom. And I'm like, you know what? Like, <laughs> the guys are probably driving out there, and they're like, you know what's good is, like, there's no kids out here that we got to watch over and get in the way. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we can do our jobs better when yeah, there's no Yeah, they're probably relieved because they're like, man, we're going to have to kill some Venom agents, and we this is good because we finally have a mission. We don't have to protect anyone. We just got to go in, get the meteorite back, and be done. And then that kid friggin' flies out of the truck. <laughs> like <laughs> when it makes a wide turn and like falls on the ground and Hondo covers him up and Hondo gets hurt like super bad mm. because of this kid being an idiot. I know Hondo almost died because yeah. of this dumb kid. He would have died if yeah. they hadn't like recovered R- that meteorite right. and saved him with it. Here's the interesting thing about the meteorite is like, and I don't know how Venom knew this or even suspected this to be the case. So it's a healing meteorite when it's whole. But when you split it into three parts, it becomes a deadly meteorite and yeah, it whatever's kills everything inside it. around it. Yeah, whatever's inside it kills. So Venom splits it up into three parts, puts it in these boxes and starts trying to sell it off to really they're kind of like um, they're just a, a big criminal organization that just I, I don't know. It's not like they're it's bent like a on black world. market. Yeah, they're not thing. bent on world domination yeah. necessarily. They just want to make money. Yeah, because they wanted to sell the pieces to they, they say something about like there's certain countries that would be you know, really interested this yeah they start having these transactions with these other countries unnamed countries really and scott intercepts Gut tracker like he intercepts the the plans because he's where he shouldn't be got his nose where it shouldn't be in one of the um venom helicopters and so he's kind of forwarding those directions to the mass team 
So they're able to come and like apprehend them, stop them from selling those pieces off and taking them back, except for one piece, which Scott has the last piece and he gives it back to Matt, Matt Tracker, his dad, and all is well. But the crazy part is this is without even being tested. They put this meteorite back together. They're like, okay, it's probably fine now. Let's try to heal. Just stick it in there with Hondo. And yeah. Let's, we'll <laughs> see if he dies or heals. Yeah, he's going to die either way. So it's like, might as gotta, well take the chance. Yeah, I got to talk about something that we didn't touch on that happens before that part, which is before Scott recovers that last piece of meteorite. Yeah. He he gets to the base where the Venom guys are, and this this idiot kid just gets in a helicopter, and he's like, I don't know how to drive one, and then it just and starts it anyway, and he's yeah. just crashing it everywhere, like just that, slamming into everything, and like everybody falls off this boat. And, I feel like if this was like more of a true to life story with that helicopter, the way the blade like kept like hitting the ground, he would have cut oh, off yeah. some Venom agents in the process. Oh. They all would have died, including <laughs> Scott, and that yeah. would have been for the best. Oh. But then my favorite part, though, is is even after that, when he gets out and he gets to T-Bob. Yeah. And I swear to God, the kid that was doing the voice acting for Scott was drunk because. Oh, I know. I know the part you're talking about. <laughs> he sounds like like. You know, your friend that got too drunk at the bar and is trying to get you to drive him home because he's like, <laughs> he's like, do you know how to drive a truck? <laughs> T-Bob's like trying to answer. He's like, oh, great, you drive. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh. what it sounded like? It sounded like when um, Fensler Films did those the redubbing of those G.I. Joe PSAs, oh. like like the pork chop sandwiches, the one kid's just like, bah, 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 pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds like that stuff. I'm like, like, how did they accept that as a take for this kid's audio? And this oh was the God. first episode. So it's not like right. things declined. It's like it started <laughs> off on the wrong foot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Dang. that was bad. I'm so but, glad you brought I forgot about that part <laughs> until you that, started saying that. That was my favorite part of this entire show so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I had to rewind and watch it three times because I thought it was so funny. And I was I, like, I was just kind of beside myself. Like, did did they really just do it like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> that was like the scream when we watched the Star Wars Ewoks show. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about that. <laughs> for anyone who didn't listen to that episode you should yeah that's amazing well let's go ahead and jump into the next episode that we watched for today's show which was the magma mole season one What a name i know season one episode 11 highest rated episode in this episode venom uses a mole machine to drill into the earth which threatens tokyo with devastating floods and an eruption of mount fuji yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's a mole only in the sense that it burrows. It goes underground. It, it's really, yeah. literally, it's a big drill. They could have just yeah, called it, it magma big drill. I guess mole sounds better, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that would sell more toys, calling it magma mole. Well, it's not as cool as Lava Jesus, though. Yeah, I was just thinking about Lava Jesus, actually. <laughs> I never stopped thinking about Lava Jesus. I miss Lava Jesus. He's in my heart. That's another throwback to Battle of the Planets, if anyone's wondering. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we reference Battle of the Planets a lot. We reference our own show. It's really sad, actually. We reference our own shows a lot. It's weird because that was probably like one of the worst <laughs> cartoons we had. <laughs> and we're constantly still bringing it up. Everything reminds me of Battle of the Planets in some way. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> 
So in, in this one, they're in Japan. Matt Tracker and Bruce also happen to be in Japan. And so they, of course, come to save the day. I say there's something fishy going on because it seems like in this episode and the next episode, it just kind of seems like they're on vacation in these yeah. locations. And Venom just happens to be there pulling some sort of stunt at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, there's an awful lot of coincidence. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of like double agent thing going on. Somebody's working for the other side. They have to be. It's I don't know. Yeah. Too, too much coincidence. At first, what happens is there's this really dry area in Japan where they're like, oh, no, there's not been water here for years or something. And then all of a sudden, foreshadowing. Yeah, instant foreshadowing because all of a sudden a huge wave of water comes. You're like, where did this come from? It's salty. It's the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At first, they were like huddling on that wooden bridge because Matt's like, grab the bridge. And I'm like, that rinky dink little wooden bridge is not going to stand to this gigantic <laughs> ocean. Like, it was basically a tsunami. Yeah, I mean, absolutely That's, that's literally what it was. And so I'm glad that it didn't hold up. Like, it just got demolished and they went all over the place. But um, I was like, okay, that's a little more believable because, yeah, that but, thing would have been done. But everybody was safe, luckily. Yeah, I guess. everyone was safe. No one drowned. Holding onto the parts of the bridge helped them as flotation devices, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But... <laughs> So they go to obviously explore that and that's when they find out what's going on with the whole or at least partially what's going on with the whole mole machine, the the magma mole that's drilling into the earth, causing additional earthquakes as well. Whole episode really is about Venom causing those floods, Venom causing earthquakes and Venom threatening to erupt Mount Fuji if they're not given a certain amount of money. Yeah. And I don't remember what the amount was, but I remember I remember thinking, you know, I feel like that's not. As much as I would try to get for, you know, trying to destroy an entire country. (laughs) Give me a thousand bucks or I'm going (laughs) to blow up this country. And the country would be like, okay, like, sure. (laughs) We'll get it out of our collective couch cushions and hand you a thousand dollars. I mean, give me a thousand bucks or give me uh, a free breakfast at IHOP. Right. (laughs) Dude, I would take that. (laughs) Yeah. I would take a free breakfast at IHOP. They got good breakfast, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I won't destroy you because I got free breakfast. So they got to get their vehicles and they got to follow into these tunnels where the magma mole has been drilling through. And good thing that those tunnels are big enough for all these cars. Like even a semi truck drives through it. So, I mean, they got kind of lucky there. I had a huge question about kind of the way this one ends a little bit where, okay, so Mayhem, Miles Mayhem, God, what a, what a name. Okay, Miles Mayhem <laughs> drill starts drilling into Mount Fuji and he's about to hit the point where where he can't be stopped. Actually, he puts it on autopilot and then jumps out, obviously, so he can survive. While Matt Tracker is still after it, Matt is able to get into the vehicle and shut it off, but he's kind of trapped in there, and obviously the heat's going to be really overwhelming. So he's slowly dying, uh, basically cooking in this oven. Right. And so he has to be rescued. My question was, why didn't the guy just drive straight through the tunnel? Why did he have to evaporate or kind of like phase through the mountain to reach him? I didn't understand that. Um, Science. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't have a good I don't have a good answer for that. This is where like this dude's in a dire situation. He's a he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, what do we do? And Bruce gives a parable and this is like the you know, that whole perhaps the wooden can do what the hammer cannot. <laughs> and for one, I'm like, dude, your buddy is baking alive. Yeah. We don't have and, time for and riddles. He, and he's the only one who can understand you. So. And and two, when Matt hears it, he goes 
oh, that's right, the ultrasonic vibrationator or some crap. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what? How did you get, what? No. <laughs> How did you get that from, ah, oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was some major homosexual innuendo um, <laughs> going on in this, in this episode. There's this part where uh, it was uh, Buddy was like, like, I'll get him with the penetrator. And oh, Matt's like, right. don't try it, buddy. The penetrator doesn't have enough power to penetrate this much rock. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, they had to keep saying penetrate. And, <laughs> oh, man. But in yeah. the end, the penetrator is what ended up saving Matt's life. Get it? In the end? <laughs> <laughs> oh. To add to my confusion... The penetrator also, even though it penetrates that rock for whatever reason, <laughs> even though there's a clear entrance it could have gone through, it actually exits out the tunnel. Right. But it's still it's still phased, though. It's still like in phase form, even though it's driving through a clear tunnel. I, I did not get that at all. All I can do is shrug and scratch my head. And I'm like, I don't know. Can we talk about these masks real quick and what the real point of the masks are? Let's do that because to me, that was the most interesting part of the show. And I don't know what they're for. They do all kinds of different things. What do they do? It depends on the mask. They all do something different. Oh, I don't remember what they do. (laughs) (laughs) And and even the, uh, since the Venom agents have stolen, like those Venom masks are actually some of the original mask as well. The one mask that the dude uses looks like Cobra Commander, kind of. He looks like a fat Cobra Commander (laughs) when he's wearing his mask. Miles Mayhem, yeah. Yeah. One of the masks, it's like it can lift objects. One of the masks can shrink objects. That one's called uh, Gulliver. Uh, They all have names that are kind of tied to what they do. Right. What got confusing is the vehicles have names and the masks have names. Yeah, I got confusing. It was hard for me to keep track. Yeah, I got confused because I thought like a a lot of the stuff they were doing was a result of the vehicles or something. And I got so confused with all the different stuff. It's like the vehicles could do stuff. They had those hidden functions, like I said earlier, but the mask also were kind of like super powered mask. They could do their own things. It wasn't the the wearers at all. It was the masks themselves. What was interesting was the vehicles weren't necessarily specific to the individual. Like other people could drive the other vehicles. That's where it got really cloudy to me because I was like, oh, man, as if it wasn't confusing enough. Now you can switch them around. I mean, that's a great vehicle to sell toys, though. Like, that's a great way because it's like now you can mix and match and this person can wear this person's mask. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it was genius on the toy selling end, but so confusing on the animation. Got got real convoluted for the show. Like, I got so lost. Yeah. Yeah. I was really lost. This is probably the most lost I've been with a cartoon so far. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one thing that kind of disappointed me, too, is like in the first episode when they're presenting the masks for the first time. So it's coming down on this machine and kind of like being presented in front of each agent in in a very like ceremonious kind of way, you know. And like I expected the, the masks to go on their head like Darth Vader style or something. But instead, you know, they pick them up their hands. Yeah. And then it cuts to another scene of them in like the vehicles and like one of them is wearing a mask and the rest are not. Some of them put them on later and like some of them never even put the mask on. I'm like, well, what was the point of all the pomp and circumstance if you're not even wearing the things like what? It would have been very cool if they had if they did just get them automatically placed on in a Vader like way. Yeah, it would have looked really cool. It would, have, it would have made them look more important because that's like after that, I was like, once it cut to that scene and most of them weren't even wearing them, I was like, oh, well, I guess that's not a really important part of the show, I guess. 
Oh man, there was a funny part in this episode that you may not have even noticed and I barely noticed it. I had to rewind it to make sure. But do you remember the part where they are having to put the new like power generators into the mole machine? Like they're having to replace those uh, power cells. Okay. In that part, one of the um, Venom agents who's kind of in the background and it's it's the camera's kind of far away from him. He just drops one of the cells for some reason and then he picks it up and it's like, why... (laughs) <laughs> Why did that even happen? They, they didn't even draw any attention to it or anything? No, it wasn't a part of the main scene. It just, <laughs> like, something else is going on. He's just, it's almost like a, it's like a blooper, but this right. is animation. So, it's like intentional, so, I guess. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but it's funny. Yeah, I'll have to pick it out and show it to you. <laughs> That's great. So, Penetrator is able to penetrate, <laughs> save the day. So, basically, we're saying penetration's a good thing. Penetration could save your life. Penetration was the only way in this case. So we should probably move on to the next episode so we don't have to say penetration anymore. Oh, God. We'll, we'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> next episode, the name already, Venice Menace, which obviously reminded me of Dennis the Menace. Yeah, same here. The real Menace is Scott. Real Menace is T-Bob. Oh, Season God, one, yeah. episode 60. This was the one that was chosen by Daniel, actually, uh, for yeah. a couple of reasons, if you want to say those, Chris. I think like one of the big reasons he picked it is because it features a lot of the agents, including the women. I mean, we saw Gloria in the last one, but we get more of her here and we get Vanessa also, who's one of the bad guys. And it has a lot of the vehicles. And this one probably has the biggest like vehicle battle out of all the ones that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of interesting because that was something that like we've gotten a little bit of it in the last couple episodes, but I, I was kind of underwhelmed as far as that stuff goes. But this one, they did a lot of cooler stuff with the vehicles like fighting and stuff. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for suggesting this one, Daniel. It was actually really interesting to me. For a short description of it, Venom has a device that turns the waters around Venice to jelly, allowing Stinger to drive on the surface and dig up Cleopatra's sunken barge. That sounds crazy. And it was. And Yeah, why didn't they just use a submarine instead? I don't know, but I I was really interested. And actually, when I saw what they actually were planning to do with it, I was like, wow, that's really intricate what they went through just to get this thing. And right. turning the water to jelly, I thought was just a really cool addition to it. It was a unique take on it. I've never really seen that done before. Yeah, you know what? That, it's, it's an interesting idea, like... From a from a bad guy criminal terrorist organization perspective, you think about like if if you added something to like a city's water supply, you know, that jellied everything, you would stop everything in a city if you destroyed their water supply, you know? Right. So I'm like, man, that's actually a really smart idea in like the worst way possible. But it's also temporary too. So they were mindful of that. This one, yeah, this one was temporary. But if they made one that wasn't, they they could really do some damage for sure. That's what I mean. They're not bent on world domination. They just want some money. They need a quick buck. It's all about the dollar dollar bills. (laughs) And Cleopatra's sunken barge is the way to do that. uh, The gold Cleopatra ships. Yeah. Oh man. Again, in this one, we've got T-Bob. Oh God, this one annoyed me the most. I feel like, yeah, T-Bob's puns were at a. They were at maybe a three he did or four. So many in, in other a episodes. Row. And in this episode, it was an eleven. Like he it was, dialed it all uh, the way up, and it was constant. There was he did so many of them in a row, and, and some of the other characters did too. Like, oh my god, 
So they're in Venice. One thing that T-Bob says is like they had to get a sample of that jelly in a jar and it disappears. And he's like, but the lid wasn't even a jar. And I'm like, oh, you <laughs> son of a boy. But then they, they cut to another scene with the Venom people and someone made a mistake because it was uh, one of the barrels was leaking that stuff and got into the water supply. Yeah. And then Vanessa was like, did you suddenly go Venetian blind? Oh, God. I was like, <laughs> really? Uh, so yeah the the premise of this episode was really interesting to me the puns in this episode were the worst of all the episodes we watched i think the worst part of this episode was that we had way more of t-bob and scott than any episode so far like there was so much of them in this episode that Mm -hmm. it was just nails on chalkboard to me what really upset me was that scott was like T-Bob, you can move the fastest on water. And he was crawling. He was literally like crawling on the water. <laughs> he was not driving or anything. Right. He just boop, 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 boop. He's walking <laughs> right. so slowly. Like it was, it was like a snail's pace of him moving across that water. It was so annoying to watch. And so the voice acting in the show is really bad. I mean, that's not a big deal for some people, but for the sake of like, I mean, we critique all of these cartoons and we hit pretty much any aspect of a as we can and, and mm-hmm. Joseph and I are probably me a little more so but like we we are into voice acting and stuff like that too so it's an interest so we're definitely going to look at it and man some of the voice acting in this is bad and and they introduced this character Piranha oh, who yeah. god he was so bad and his sentences were just completely run on like like not written that way obviously it's just he, the the voice actor spoke the sentences so close together that it just <laughs> it's it was so lazy there was a spot where I, I almost yelled at the screen because he was he was driving in that submarine and he's like man it's dark down here and I was like dude you're still wearing sunglasses take your sunglasses <laughs> Right. <laughs> there's there's one uh he says some, I, I think it's in that same scene too if we can find the clip of it i'd love to put it in there but he says one sentence and goes into a completely other sentence as soon as it stops <laughs> like no breath in between why was this accepted just to add to the confusion a little bit his code name is not even piranha piranha is the name of that vehicle he was driving. Uh, that makes more sense. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but... Whatever it was, it was probably terrible. It was probably like <laughs> Max Terror or something, because all, oh, all the bet. names are that straightforward. They did a good job of finding employees with really sinister <laughs> yeah. Christian names. That, you know, that like... Was, that was part of the <laughs> prerequisites. Right. They, they would only look for people that had really sinister sounding names. Dirk Murderface. <laughs> right that would be perfect he would <laughs> he would be a shoe in he would be head of hr oh yeah right there so dirk murder face <laughs> oh my god <laughs> one thing that drove me nuts about this entire show was this one song that they played through like every other scene and it was like this uh, is this elevator ish kind of music that sounds like it's from a sitcom like the mary tyler moore show <laughs> And like they constantly played it and it doesn't make sense to have it in half of the scenes they had it in. And it was just driving me insane. It was one of those things that in any other show, I probably wouldn't have picked up on it, but they they did it so often. And I'm like, this doesn't suit the mood like whatsoever. Like, stop. But at least this episode ends with a big battle. Yeah. All of the water gets gelled. And so the vehicles can drive around on it and they are just shooting the crap out of each other. And that was cool. Yeah. And then it also we get to see like the master plan, which is kind of to make a hole in the water since Cleopatra's ship is buried under the the sand. 
they had to get like a big crane type vehicle and bring it out of that dirt. But I thought that was just a really interesting idea. Again, yeah. the, the premise of this episode really caught my attention. It was just the rest of it that fell flat. This is also where we get to see Gulliver, the mask, being used to the point where Cleopatra's ship is shrunk down. Okay, here's another part that oh, I was like, yeah, why, yeah. why, why, why? Okay, so they shrunk the ship down to take it back and remove it from the clutches of Venom. And then for some reason, they like brought it back on land and like, all right, enlarge it again. And so they did. Now they're like, okay, let's take it to the museum. Why not just take it to the museum first and then enlarge it once it's there? Oh, you guys. They could have used Bruce telling them some sort of parable right there. <laughs> and then Matt could be like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have shrunk that or we shouldn't have enlarged it. We're right. dumb. Well, Chris, it's about time we ask the monotone computer lady which mask units are best fit to review this show. I'm betting she'll call out our inner kids. Let's see. I don't think this cartoon was as bad as older Chris says. It was kind of funny and it had cool vehicles that can fly and go underwater, but Scott's a dweeb, and I would beat him up, and then I would leave T-Bob under the water so he would rust and die. But I know in 20 years, I'm not going to like this cartoon so much, so I had to give it two and a half bowls of horrible pun cereal out of five. But I just ran out of cereal, so I gotta go penetrate this box and get some more. Bye! Mask was definitely no masterpiece, but was actually better than I expected. It was pretty much on par with the other series that were made purely to sell toys, for as much as that says about the overall quality. The vehicle portion of the show I could have done with or without, but the actual superpowered mass aspect of Mask really opened my mind to the potential that this show had. On the negative side, this series also had T-Bob, who attempted to add levity to the more serious scenes and failed miserably. I always thought I was a fan of puns, but T-Bob proved me wrong. All that said, I would give Mobile Armor Strike Command three big bowls of Tracker O's cereal out of five, but would probably recommend the toys more than the show itself. Mask Crusaders, working overtime, fighting crime. Fighting crime. You know what? The theme song might have been the best part of the show. The theme song is actually pretty cool. Still stuck in my head. Yeah, I like it. I like <laughs> it a lot. Do you have any final thoughts on Mask? Final thoughts. I don't regret not watching this as a kid. I kind of wish I'd had some of the toys, though. I'd say check it out an episode or two, but don't leave this episode thinking that it's anything great that you need to watch all of. Yeah, I agree. I wish they would have spent more time with the adult characters and a lot less with Scott and T-Bob because I think those two kind of like ruined a lot of the show for me. The big downfall is that those two characters were really developed and the rest of them, which were more interesting, didn't get a lot of development. It was just kind of like the show felt like it revolved a lot around Scott and T-Bob and the others were uh, like sometimes they it seemed like they took a back seat, even though they were obviously supposed to be more important. It just didn't seem like they got as much screen time. Despite like the gripes I have about this show, I see the appeal. Mainly, I just see a lot of potential if just some of the production was handled better and if they had made some better choices with the characters. So fans of G.I. Joe Transformers could definitely find something they like with it. And since they are planning live action film adaptation, as well as crossing over with the other IPs like G.I. Joe and Micronauts, ROM, there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with it. And I know that they're, they're bringing it back in the comics too, so... I'd be interested in checking out the comics and stuff like that just to see what else they could do with this franchise. Because like I said, I see a lot of potential for it. I just don't think they did a great job with what could be a great idea. They didn't really utilize all that they had. It was very devoid of a lot of uh, structure that could have yeah, made it a much better show than it was. True. I agree completely. 
But again, thank you, Daniel, for recommending this. I'm glad we did watch it finally. Like now I know what the hype was all about. And like Chris was saying, there is an appeal to it. I definitely see it. We saw diamonds in the rough there, but it's just there was more rough than there were diamonds. And so, yeah. That's unfortunate, but there's a lot of potential there for, like Chris said, launching of the comic series, things like that, where they're not as focused on the toys so they can actually focus more on the story itself. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm glad that I watched it so I could see what it's about. I'm just glad it didn't penetrate my childhood. (laughs) Had to bring it back. (laughs) Now, let's see how much we can bring it back in our next few episodes. Let's see how long that lasts. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. Next week, we'll be watching Turbo Teen, submitted via Twitter by at RNJC. Once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash NerdSloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com. 